This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Let's, let's pray and we're going to uh, get in the Word this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the country that we live in, that we have the freedom to gather together to come and worship you. Thank you, Lord, that we can lift our arms, lift our voices, lift our hearts to you and worship you. And we thank you, God, that we, we receive from you now, that, Lord, you speak to each and every person here, that your word is alive and powerful. It's so sharp, Lord, it will pierce and divide even spirit soul, that it, it will go to where it needs to go in our life. And God will be transformed, will be changed, because your word is more than enough. It's all sufficient and all powerful in itself. And Lord, we receive your grace. We receive your mercy. We receive your peace today in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. I want to mention, uh, like Zach had said, get those testimonies in. I, I'm still hearing reports on our weekend of healing. And I uh, had a couple people tell me uh, that their hips were healed. And uh, also somebody, um, oh, I think that was Dennis. Dennis, uh, his shoulder, right shoulder was healed. Um, so we're still having great reports from our weekend of healing. So if you were praying for and believing, just keep believing. Because God's still healing. And he's still doing what he does. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 12, I love that the, um, the Sunday school is doing Hebrews. Great, great book. It says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the races set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, we've been looking at uh, really sexual immorality and, and dealing with those things in our life. And it's, we've we got to be convinced and secure in his love. He loves us. He's for us. He is head over heels in love with you. And that gives me the security and the peace to work through his spirit and get these weights and get the sin off. Because he wants us to be blessed. He wants us to have the best life. In order to do that, we have to deal with those issues that come up in our life. And if we don't, we're going to be running the race with no joy. We're not going to have the endurance. We're not going to have the, the strength to move on. God wants us to make progress. He wants us to keep moving forward with our life. And until you deal with the weights and the sin, you're just going to be stagnant. It's hard to run with weights. It's hard to move forward. But God wants us to deal with these things, not in our own strength, but with his strength, his power. One of the things that blessed me last week was the young people that came to me and said, thank you for that message. Because it's counter to the world. Everything goes sexually. But the word of God is still the word of God and it hasn't changed. And he has his values, his standards, and we're to make those our standards and our values. And he is our strength, and he is the one we look to to help us walk this thing out. 
So be secure in him, but realize that we've got to deal, lay aside the weights and the sin. And it can be a simple thing. It could be a little weight over here of just complacency or just in the comfort zone that you no longer put yourself out there, no longer uh, walking in that joy of your salvation. So God deals with us in, in, in his own unique way with each and every one of us. But don't disregard that leading of the Spirit to deal with things in our lives. And we have people that can help no matter what it is. We have freedom ministry. We have uh, elders you can go to. We have people that you can get involved with, get in a small group that can hold you accountable and help you walk out of whatever it is, whatever snare you're in. When it talks about that, that sin that so easily besets us, it's actually talking about the sin that uh, hits your weakest point. All of us have a, a weak point where uh, it's a greater temptation than other places. And that's where you really need to be on guard in a greater way. And no one's exempt. There's, there is sin, at least one, for every person that easily can wrap you up and you can get ensnared in it. And we, you, that's the one you need to be on guard the most. Even weights can mean uh, sin of the tongue or uh, thought. And it can mean just plain out sin also. So these things weigh us down. But we're to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We look to him. What do I do? I look at his, his life that he walked on this earth in, as a human. Not in his uh, deity as God. He walked as a man, filled the Holy Spirit, and he overcame the enemy. Now, he faced different things that we'll never, ever face. He was in battles that we'll never fight will never be in. And yet he overcame. It's something about when I'm looking to Jesus that gives me strength. When I really understand what he did, it gives me strength on the inside to endure. It gives me to a place that I can have joy even in the midst of things going maybe wrong. Maybe you're under attack. Things aren't going the way that you planned them to go. Yet... There's God. He is my joy. He is my strength. And you know, in the end, ultimately, you'll be made the head, not the tail in that situation. His promises are true. But you've got to be looking to something besides yourself. If you're looking to you, if I'm looking at Bob, I'm going to get discouraged. I'm going to get weaker and weaker. But when I look to Jesus and know the finished work of the cross, that he paid the price for me, that he went and fought and won, and I'm walking in victory, I'm not going to a victory. I'm coming from a victory, the cross. And his grace is sufficient. No matter what I face, I overcome because the overcomer lives on the inside of me. So... The spiritual battle is against your mind. It's between your two ears. And the enemy wants to get your focus off of Jesus onto something else. And that's how he defeats us. You've got to be looking to something. Even Jesus looked to something. It said Jesus looked to the cross or the joy that was set before him. 
You know the joy that gave him the endurance to endure the cross is you and me, the family of God. That's what he was looking at. He wasn't even looking at himself. He was looking at each of us and the family that would be birthed into the kingdom of God because of the price that he paid. So looking unto Jesus is a real key. It's the key to victory. It's looking to him, identifying with him. When we look to him, we get help. We get strength. So you see this in your notes. Our obedience to God affects our life and others. And I'm calling this, your obedience is bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than this, this message because so much started coming to me. But it's bigger than us. Our life is bigger than us because of the effect that we have on other people and those around us. In fact, your life, your, your obedience affects your children, your grandchildren, your coworkers, those that you meet, those that you're around, because who you're carrying around, you're carrying around the Lord Jesus. And you can affect other people's lives. Wouldn't it be neat to change someone's destiny? They're destined for hell, but their destiny changes because they came in contact with you and met you and they choose Jesus. I was uh, running in Kroger's guess it was Friday, don't think it was yesterday, and uh, picking up a few things. And I always have to be uh, patient and kind because I know it's an ever-growing list when Ellen's texting me. I love her, but I know the list. It's almost like I need to get through this line before the list grows. <laughs> Any guys ever been there? I, I, so anyway, I'm going through, and uh, I'm leaving, and of course, I'm in kind of a hurry, and there's uh, one of these, um, I don't know what you call them, but it'd be a cart, motorized cart that someone who can't walk rides, and it's over behind my car some, so I can't really back out, and... Uh, and I looked over and I saw her and she's sitting uh, with the, path, the driver's door open and she's sitting there and she just, she can't get up. And I, I see her uh, crutches and everything. I put my things in the car and I come over and I said, can I help you? And, and, and she said, no, it takes me a few minutes. She said, I'm hoping I'm not in your way. I said, no. I said, I, you know, I could move it. She said, you're not not in a way, and I asked her what's going on. She had gloves on, and uh, she said, I have arthritis so bad that I can't walk. Uh, it's, it's all in my legs. It's in my hands. And she said, I'm in tremendous pain. But she said, this is the only time I get out of the house or I would just be isolated, so it's worth it to me to get out. I said, yeah, I can, I can understand that. And she said, let me show you. She said, this glove keeps my hand together. 
And I, I said, what do you mean keeps it together? And she said, well, it's the arthritis has taken the skin off. And I'd never heard of this. And she said, I didn't, I must have looked puzzled because she goes, I didn't know it either. And she moved her glove down and it's just raw. And she said, I put the glove on where I can grip the, the scooter, you know, if out just, I couldn't do it otherwise. I told her, I said, well, help you get on this thing, then I'm going to pray for you. And she goes, oh, that'd be wonderful. And she was so thankful uh, just when I said, I'd pray for you. So I, I, I got out of there and prayed, uh, prayed for her, and uh, I just commanded the authorized to go in the pain to leave. And, uh, and she said, thank you so much. I'm a believer. And she, she mentioned the church she goes to, and I said, well, uh, I believe you get stronger and better every day. I said, is there something you couldn't do? And she goes, what do you mean? I said, move something, do something you couldn't do. And she stopped. She goes, well, the pain is leaving my body. I said, that's the Lord Jesus touching you. And she took her hand and she goes, the pain's gone. I said, I want you to, from this day forward, thank God for your healing. And she drives off into, into Kroger's. <laughs> well, that was fun. But, say, I believe we have opportunities and places to, to minister to people all around us. And all we have to do is, is step out. I didn't preach to her or do something nuts. Just calmly prayed with her. And there was God. I want to look at Joseph some because I, I guess last week when I was talking about sexual immorality, I always think of Joseph. And, but the Lord kind of led me down a different path with it. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, it says, One night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. You know, you don't need a devil when you have a family like this. <laughs> he tells the dream and they hate him more. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. <laughs> Let me say this. He was a 17-year-old boy, teenager. And this is just me. I don't believe he had the sense at that age to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> I just don't, don't believe it. But anyway, <laughs> verse 8, his brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I had another dream. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. At this time, even this, he tells his, his dad, and, and he rebukes him, but it says he pondered these things. He kept them on the inside of him. So here's jo Joseph, and he has these dreams. And he's wondering, what do I do? He didn't really understand them. But there was something that he grabbed hold of. He took hold of these dreams. Even though 
the uh, brothers were against him and um, his family didn't accept it. He held on to these dreams. And, of course, it was a dream about his future. But I want you to think about this. The, the dreams were about his deliverance, but it, didn't, it went beyond that. It was about his family's deliverance. It was about the deliverance of a nation, Israel, you could say, and Egypt. And even says other countries around about. Other words, his obedience caused others to be blessed. It caused others to receive salvation, really, to be rescued because they would have died of starvation. God reveals things to us. He doesn't always tell you everything at once. I find out he doesn't tell you everything at once. And in his wisdom, and, it, and you walk it out, and he reveals and shows you more of what you're supposed to be doing and what he's called you to. It's, it's developed. But God placed something on the inside of each of us. He placed a dream for your life. He placed a plan for your life on the inside of you. But it has to be cultivated. Uh, it has to be nurtured. It has to be fed. It has to be weeded. It has to be fertilized. You have to do things with it. And this thing had come to pass. This was a dream way beyond what Joseph could do. Only God could bring this thing to pass. But he was hanging on to a dream when everyone else is saying, you're crazy, you're nuts. He took hold of this dream. So the brothers are, are out, and the dad sends Joseph to go check on them. And they're yelling, here comes the dreamer. Here comes that dreamer. And they start scheming how to kill him. And they throw him into the pit. Probably know the story. You can look in Genesis 37. Just read from there. It's an awesome story. They throw him into a pit. And what they do next is really, I mean, you can imagine how Joseph felt. They didn't leave the scene then. They actually ate. <laughs> they fellowship together in there. He's in the pit and they're eating. And they decide, Judah said, look, we could make some money here. What are we doing? Why kill him? Let's make some money. So they decide to sell him. He sold into slavery. Can you imagine the emotional devastation that his own brothers throw him into a pit and sell him into slavery? Can you imagine he could have let go of the dream then? He could have said, forget this. Or, God, where are you? You gave me these dreams. Yeah, here I am in slavery. But not Joseph. He didn't complain. He didn't whine. He just took it in stride because his trust is still in the Lord. And he winds up in Potiphar's house, one of the rulers of, of Egypt. And what does he do? He does things with excellence, pours himself into it. He's serving. He, he's doing, bringing increase. The Bible says that God was with him. And because God was with him, there was the blessing of God there. And even Potiphar noticed that what Joseph touched was blessed. He said God is with him. There, there was a blessing here. And there was increase coming. So Potiphar loved Joseph. Now, unfortunately, Mrs. Potiphar did too. 
And she's coming at Joseph and trying to get him, come to bed with me, all this. And this goes on for a few days. In Genesis 39 and verse 9, it says, No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, Joseph speaking, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. But a day came. A day came when everyone was out of the house. And here comes Mrs. Potiphar. She's making her move. She's after him. And Joseph, in his wisdom, knew it was time to leave. So you've got to know your limitations. It's a good thing to know your limitations. You've got to know when to hold them and when to fold them. You've got to know when to run. And it was time for Joseph to run. And he runs, he, he leaves, he does the righteous thing. What happens? False accusations come up against him. She says that she was violated, that Joseph took advantage of her and, and all this. And he does the right thing. He's got a dream from God in his heart, in his life, and, and God is with him, yet he goes from being the head of that house to prison. Another opportunity for Joseph to complain, to whine, to be upset, to be angry with God. He said, look, it was one thing, being thrown in the pit and going into slavery. Now I'm falsely accused. I'm in prison. You can just imagine the temptation there is just to quit. He had many opportunities to quit. There's always an opportunity to quit. No matter what you're doing, there's always opportunity. But Joseph didn't take it. He kept pressing through. And what happens? He starts serving in the prison. And it says that God was with him. The blessing of God was there. And the next thing you know, he's taking care of the whole prison. He's in charge. Everywhere he goes, he winds up. The thing turns around. So that same anointing was there, and he's serving with excellence and blessing that prison that he's put in charge. So one day, two men come in. It was the chief uh, butler and the chief baker to Pharaoh. And they are in prison. They have dreams. And, they, and Joseph said, look, God's the one that brings dreams, interprets dreams. What's your dream? And he starts to, to minister and the the, the baker had a dream and said in three days, uh, Pharaoh's going to cut your head off. I'm sure that was a very pleasant interpretation to give. <laughs> but then the butler said, you'll be restored to your place. But remember me. Don't forget me in here. I'm the one telling you this. Don't forget me. I shouldn't be in here, but I'm in here. Don't forget me. So what happens? Everything that he said came to pass. He got forgotten. You ever gotten forgotten? You did all this but forgotten? 
Maybe you, you did this, this project, this project, this project, and somebody else got all the, the credit for it and just forgotten. Maybe taken advantage of or whatever. Here's Joseph forgotten. He has another opportunity to get angry with God or to get bitter at people. Or to even bring up his brothers again. It's my family's fault. My family did this. Or then he could have said, it's Mrs. Potiphar. I didn't like her from the moment I met her. I can just, all this is going on. You know, this is a real person. He's dealing with these things. But he didn't let it consume him. He was looking to a greater one. Kept his trust in, in the Lord. So you know the story, Pharaoh has a, a dream. And about seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And then he's remembered. And they get him out of prison and he gives the interpretation and the solution. God gave wisdom and Pharaoh said, who else can I find this wise? I put you in charge. So he went from prison to the palace. He became prime minister over all of Egypt. It didn't ha- this, this journey, there were so many steps he could have got off and quit, but he stayed the course. And he went from one day from prisoner over prison to prime minister over Egypt. It's a miracle. Pit to slavery prison to the palace God will never forget you God will never forget you he knows where you're at he's able to get it to you and he never forgets your labor of love he never forgets your obedience he never forgets the dream he placed on the inside of you easy to give in to offense the Bible says offense will come it will come I've been offended at myself before and had to forgive myself beat myself you knucklehead (laughs) oh I forgive myself thank you Jesus that you forgive me so I forgive myself Fences will come, but we have to do like Joseph, and we have to let them go. In Genesis 45, verse 17, Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, this will give you, this will give you the very best land in Egypt, and you will eat from the best that the land produces. Well, anyway, he tells his, his brothers, you can have the best. Tell your family they can have the very best of Egypt. How is this happening? Because of Joseph's obedience to God, the family's getting blessed. What if Joseph had stopped along the way and in prison just said, this is it. It's been too many years since I've had that dream. I've been forgotten, I've been falsely accused, I've been thrown in a pit. But no, 
He didn't, he didn't do that. There's no record of him going, you all know my family. They're a lying, scheming, murdering bunch. <laughs> no, he, he forgave them. He let it go. And he forgave them. And, of course, they have remorse and, and, and they got back together. But he could have said, have them killed. He could have said to the guards there, kill these. I don't want to see these. Just take them out. Now, better yet, go dig a hole. Put them in a pit. Then I want you to set up a big table outside that pit and put all the food you can. I'm going to eat. Can you imagine the schemes that could have revenge? But see, revenge is not part of our nature. It's not part of us. What's the American way, revenge? It's not the Christianity way. <laughs> Can't I just get revenge and get forgiveness later? No, because you said that statement and you know what you're doing. Just don't do it. <laughs> You see this in your notes. Provision is on the other side of your obedience. Here came great provision for Joseph, for his family, for Israel, and for Egypt. Not only is your provision on the other side of your obedience, but others' provision is on the other side of your obedience. It's bigger than us. As believers, we're part of others, their provision and their miracles. Joseph did not quit. He held on to that dream. You see this in your notes. You can't hold on to God's dreams in unforgiveness and bitterness at the same time. It doesn't work. It stops it up. You've got to let it go. Well, I'm right. I have rights. I'm an American. I have rights. Well, we're not in this thing because of our rights. But I'm right. He's a jerk. I'm right. I know I'm right because I disagree with them, and I'm right. That's all the evidence I need. No, you, you release and you forgive. Not in this for my rights. I'm in this for the dream. I'm in this for the calling, for the assignment. I'm in this for the, the rescue of those lost family members out there. There's some lost family out there we've got to get. I'm in this for the cause of Christ. We get insight into Joseph's life when he gets married and he has children, you know, the names of children have great meaning and significance many times in scriptures. And we're going to see what his first two sons were named and the significance of it. In Genesis 41, verse 51, Joseph named his older son Manassas, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, 
God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. So a lot of times names would show significant moments or history or events in a person's life. So we see they names his, his first two sons this, and Manassas means to forget. To forget. And it, it's showing that his life, he had to forget what his family did. Ephraim means to be fruitful. Now you see the process you got to forget to move on to be fruitful. This in your notes, you have to forget those things from your past in order to move into your fruitfulness. You have to forget it. You have to let go and you have to move forward. And then fruitfulness will come. Philippians 3 verse 13 no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling you, calling us. So Joseph, he was affected by other people's action, but he refused to let it become a part of, of his life. He refused to let it become a part of, of his story. He chose to believe God even in the midst of the attacks, even in the midst of everything going wrong, even when he's doing right. Joseph chose to let go of what had been unleashed against him and the whole fast that God was with him, working on his behalf. 1 Peter 2.15, it says, Is God's will that your honorable life should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you? For you are free, yet you are God's slave, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone, love your Christian brothers and sisters, fear God, and respect the king. So the next thing in your notes, a blessed life is lived in spite of opposition. Many times we'll get attacked or get some opposition and our first thing to think is, what have I done wrong? What's wrong with me? Or where's God? What's going on? But the truth is, when you look at scriptures, when you become a Christian, you become a marked person and the enemy hates your guts, he's going to attack, different situations will arise against you. So in spite of the opposition, we trust God. In spite of what it feels like, looks like, what they're saying, maybe being mocked, whatever it is, despite all that, I'm going to silence them with my honorable life and I'm going to keep looking to Jesus. He is my strength. I'm running the race to win. Amen? Seeing people get under attack I don't guess I'm a Christian. Yeah, you're a Christian. Welcome to the club. Well, I thought everything was going to go perfect for me. No. Where did you hear that? Well, the preacher said that. I don't know where that's in the Bible. I've looked for it. After you get saved, everything goes perfect. No, 
That's the wrong one. That's the wrong location. That's heaven. It will be perfect there. But in this earth, you're going to have challenges. You're going to have opposition. You're going to have people talk about you. Some will look at you funny. Some will think you're weird. I think they're weird. Don't be amazed at that. Keep living for Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Be strong in the power of his might. Knowing that the same temptations go through all the brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all dealing with it. Well, not me, Pastor. I never had an attack in my life. You're being attacked right now by a spirit of lying. I'm sure I'm, I'm married, me and my wife been married 35 years. We've never had disagreement. You don't have a marriage, sir. I don't know what you have, but it's not marriage. Because a relationship, there's going to be some disagreement. There's going to be some working things out and deciding to be committed to this thing when you disagree. I mean, my thought is somebody in that relationship's a doormat. They have no say. They have no voice. But God didn't call the relationship to be that way. You're a team. You're in this thing together. And God, in his great wisdom, wired the female and the male exactly opposite. Sometimes I've been tempted to say, you're laughing. (laughs) Now, he knew what was best for us. Because you have to make an effort and make a choice that we're going to talk, communicate, and work this thing out. Amen? Then you start walking as a team together. And strength comes. We need to yield to his grace and his favor and be committed to him. You know, looking unto Jesus means you've got to get in the Word. You've got to look to the Word of God. That's where you see Him. See who He is. See the way He walked, the way He talked, the way He ministered to others. Do you have a dream? How many of you have a dream? Lift your hand. Maybe you don't have a dream. You need to ask God for a dream. He gave you one, but it probably got put on the shelf and it's been forgotten. But God has something for every person. You're uniquely equipped to make a difference in the influence in those around you, your world, to make a difference, to touch lives for him. Thank you, Lord. I want us to bow our heads so I know there's a breakthrough coming Some of you need to let go, to let go, to let it go and forgive. It doesn't matter what they've done to you, how big it is, how much it hurt, how much pain it caused. See, on the other side of your obedience is provision. 
And that's peace of heart that only God can do. That's healing from your, for your heart that only God can do. The weight comes off. Well, I don't understand, Pastor. Well, understanding is not something you have to have for this. It's a choice. I choose to forgive this person. I choose to forgive myself. I choose as an act of my will to forgive my spouse, to forgive my children, to forgive my parents, to forgive my co-worker, to forgive my aunt, my uncle, whoever it is. I choose to forgive as an act of my will because Jesus, you've forgiven me so much. You're so good. You're so loving. That blood was spilled for my redemption, for my forgiveness. And who am I not to extend the same mercy and the same forgiveness to someone else? Yeah, many of you have been wronged. You've been taken advantage of. You've been treated awful, abused, and misused. But I want you to know the blood of Jesus is bigger and more powerful than that abuse and that misuse. And God will bring peace for your heart. And this is going to lead you to a new place of fruitfulness. Because it doesn't matter where you're at and you're walking in your life. There's more fruit available. There's more fruitfulness for you. There's more harvest for you. There's more avenues for you. There's more paths for you. There's more creative ideas. There's more to share. There's more people to minister to. There's more time with God. There's more pleasure even in the secret place because you've let go. So if that's you this morning, I want you to let it go. To let it go. Say, God, I forgive. I forgive this person. Just inside yourself, say, who it is, I forgive them. And I let it go. Maybe you were wrong. Maybe you didn't do as good as Joseph did, and maybe you became the problem, or maybe you were the one making false accusations. Maybe you were the one that was acting unrighteously. Forgive yourself. God is bigger than any unrighteous act that you've done. He is a good, good Father. He's a loving God, and you receive peace. You receive forgiveness. Forgive yourself. Let that go. Somebody said, I've wasted precious time. Let it go. God will redeem the time to you. Let it go. Let it go. Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. I'll give you an opportunity. Maybe you have and maybe you need to come home. Maybe you know, you realize today you're in the fellowship with God. Maybe you've been so weighted down and there's been sin that's easily ensnared you and you've lost your way and you need to get back. It's a great day for the church. It's an awesome day that we live in. God is up to great things. 
and you need to get back on course. If that's you, lift your hand. I'm accepting Jesus today or I'm getting back on track. I see that hand. See that hand. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for these that lifted their hands. In just a moment, we're going to have some prayer partners come down and you come and you receive prayer and you get agreement about the decision that you just made. Thank you, Lord. Everybody say, Dear Father, thank you for coming into my life through Jesus Christ. I seen clearly now it's the lover of my soul. I surrender all. Jesus, come into my life. I receive you as Savior and Lord. I'll live for you all the days of my life. Renew my mind. Help me, Lord, to see and know what you have for me, the dream. Come alive within me. In Jesus' name, let's all stand. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.